We welcome the radio audience to the Bible study as the radio Bible class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message of how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio and Twitter with the message that Jesus is alive today. Today's lesson is titled, Praying for Ourselves and for Others, and it comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Now most of you who know me know I love technology. I personally have three laptops, a Raspberry Pi, an iPhone, and a Samsung tablet. Not only that, I have a pretty cool network at home too with a wireless controller and multiple access points, and even a firewall to keep the bad guys out. There is no end to the wonders I can perform with these devices. Just with my iPhone alone, it's possible to remotely turn on lights, set the temperature in a house, record my favorite TV show, lock my house from anywhere, and even configure my network from anywhere in the world. The power to do all this and more is just in the palm of my hand. But for most people, the problem is their knowledge of how to do it is very limited. We can do a lot with these tools, but most of us still have much to learn before you, me, or we can use these devices at their full potential. The Christian life is similar. For the last three weeks, we've learned that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. As Peter put it, we have everything we need for life. All this is available to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we have to learn how to stand in, rest in, and apply these blessings to our lives. In the previous lessons we've studied from chapter 1, Paul elaborated on the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. But today, beginning in verse 15, Paul shifts from praising God for what he's done into thanking God for the church at Ephesus and even intercedes with the Father on their behalf. But before we dive into this, we're no longer broadcasting live from the Queen City truck stop. Magnolia Banquet Room, but we're broadcasting from the Elvis Presley Training Room in the Merrill Lynch Building in Jackson, Mississippi. Just like before, we'll be on every Sunday morning at 9.05 right after the ABC News, and then we'll have two encore broadcasts at 4.05 p.m. and 10.05 p.m. on Sunday, and at 2.05 p.m. on Wednesday. Now, we would invite your comments regarding the Radio Bible class maybe any questions or comments you have, you can write us at the Radio Bible Class, P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Or you can email us, and that email address is rbc at wmerworldwide.com. That's rbc at wmerworldwide.com. Last, you can tweet us. And, of course, there's three way, three places you can tweet us. First, you can tweet us at WMERWorldwide, hashtag RBC. The second one is you can tweet us at Radio Bible Class. And the third one is you can tweet me personally at TCarter12. If you'd like a copy of a previous lesson, just let us know. We'd be glad to send it to you. Christian Radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the Radio Bible Class on the air and as a witness for Jesus. You can send your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. 
Jesus said in Luke 6:38, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Finally, we want to send you a free copy of Signpost on the Road to Armageddon, which is available by request. All you need to do is call the recording line at 601-207-1391. 601-207-1391 and request it. Or you can email us or tweet us or you can mail us through snail mail. So we have a full lesson today, so let's just jump right in, starting in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exalted when he raised Christ from the dead, seating him on the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, do you remember what I told you about this letter to the church of Ephesus? Paul was writing it from prison. It is one of the prison epistles. See, Paul has a lot of time to sit and think about what's important because he's in prison. Now, as his time on earth is drawing close, and remember he's in Rome, he's either under house arrest or he's been transferred to a Roman prison. Now, a Roman prison wasn't like what we have today in today's prison. See, today's prisons are like a luxury compared to what Paul would have been put in. The prisons in Rome were dark, they were damp, they were depressing holes that they would put people in. And the only way people would survive is if they had family or friends that would bring them food. Otherwise, most prisoners would die just from starvation alone. Anyway, while he's in prison, he is contemplating not his life, but what God has done during his time. And he starts to realize what's important. He starts to write letters to the churches, letting them know what is important. In the prison epistles, we discover that Paul wants these believers to enjoy the blessings that God has already given them. Today's lesson is a prayer that Paul prays, or really writes, to these believers. And you'll notice that he never wants praise for material things. He never prays for finances. He never prays for physical healing for people. His emphasis is on real Christian character. Now notice this, he does not ask God to give them what they do not have, but he asks God to reveal to them what they already have. That is huge, really, that is huge. We live in a culture today where most people are asking God for what they don't have instead of asking for him to reveal all that they do have. You see, Paul is asking God to reveal to the church what they already have. Now last, hopefully you see that Paul also expands the common model of prayer. A lot of our prayer today not only is self-centered, 
but it's all about asking God to give us an easier life. Now think about this. We're asking for financial provision, or we're asking for all that kind of stuff, but there's nothing like that in Paul's prayer. There's nothing self-gratifying about his prayer. See, the prayer that Paul is asking to God, see, that God is not a cargo God. He doesn't bring radios. He doesn't bring cameras. He doesn't bring TVs or even this month's rent, even though he could, and he has done that in my own life. He's blessed me materially. That's not what Paul is praying for. Paul understands prayer for what it really is. When I was in Bible school, I was taught about prayer. They taught me the ACTS model of prayer. ACTS stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. It's based off the Lord's Prayer. I've always tried to pray this way by starting off worshiping God, then confessing my sins, then giving thanks for all the blessings that I have, and last supplication or asking for the needs. But when time's running short or when I'm in a hurry, I just tend to fly by the first three of these and focus on the bulk of my time on God, here's my needs. Most prayers are very little act, but say, God, here's my laundry list. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with asking God for your needs, but remember what James said in 4.3, James chapter 4, verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, God looks at the heart, and he looks at the motive for you asking for that need. And then the other thing is, God always answers prayer. Remember this, God always answers prayer, and he answers it in one of three ways. The first way he answers, he may say yes. The second way is, no, not now. And the third way is, I have something better for you. Now, Paul gives us a model prayer here, and it will expand our knowledge of prayer. But not only that, it reveals what amazing things God is doing in our life. Now look back at verse 15, and it reads, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So the first aspect of prayer is how Paul prayed with thanksgiving and consistency. Now look at the first half of verse 16. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. See, he did not stop praying saying, thank, thank you, God. Take this back to the context that we were just talking about earlier. Paul sitting in prison. He's not thanking God for what the opportunity to minister to these people. He's not thanking God for himself, but he's praying on their behalf. You see, when he could be praying, woe is me because he's in prison, He's thanking God for what he's been doing in their life. Now, how often have you spent time giving thanks for, to God for what he's done in other people? Now, this is a very powerful, impactful thing that will happen in your life. And it not only goes to the denial of the flesh thing that Jesus talked about, but it heightens us to what God is doing in those people's lives. Now remember back from our first week when I introduced you to Ephesians, Paul spent three years starting this church. He poured his life and his soul into them. Now he's getting reports back that they are known for their faith and their love. So when Paul heard this, he could do nothing else but give thanks. Now look back at verse 15. 
For this, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is evidence of their participation in the great work of God. Now, there are two dimensions in a Christian's life. There is the vertical dimension. That's our relationship between us and God. That's our faith, our belief. And then you have the horizontal dimension, which is our love for others. And see, we saw in verse 15, the Ephesians are known for both their love of God and their love for God's people. See, in a proper Christian relationship with God, it should lead to both of these. Now, let's look in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who love is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then if you jump down to 1 John 4, 20 and 21, 1 John 4, 20 and 21, if someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, for whom he has seen, how can he love God who he hasn't seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. So we have to have faith or believe for us to be saved. And then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We talked about that last week. Now we are to love like Jesus loved. And we are to care like Jesus cared. And we are to live like Jesus lived. You see, how can you have faith and not be able to love? Because God is love. So you can't have a proper horizontal relationship without a vertical relationship. And, and vice versa, you can't have a vertical relationship and not have a horizontal relationship. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians 1 and look at verse 17. We want to look at the second aspect of prayer that Paul shows us, and that is what we can pray for ourselves and others. So look at verse 17. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You see, Paul is interceding here for the Ephesians. He's saying, I'm praying for them. What does interceding mean? Or what does intercession mean, you may ask? It means to stand in the gap for one person between them and God. It means to pray on someone's behalf. Most of us don't intercede on the behalf of others because we don't know what they need. But Paul shows us in the next few verses four things that we can pray on their behalf. See, it's easy to intercede or pray for someone when they're going through a hard time or difficult circumstance or maybe even a health issue because we know how to pray for that and how to pray for that person. But sometimes God puts a person on your heart and you don't know exactly what's going on. So I bet your prayer sounds something like mine that says, God, this person's been on my heart lately, and I don't know what they need, but I, I know you do, so I'm going to ask on their behalf. And, and that's a good prayer, and that's a good start. But we're going to see Paul gives us four things to pray for people. So let's look back at verse 17. May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So the first way we can intercede for a person is to pray that they would know God better. See, the Ephesians are known for their faith and their love, and, but Paul is praying that they will know Jesus better. He wants them to know Christ. He wants them to truly know all the treasures and the blessings that God has already given them. If you look at the word know here, especially in the Hebrew, it means yada. 
The word in Hebrew means the relationship between a man and a woman. So I want you to turn with me real quick to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 19. But before we get there, I'm going to give you some background. So there's this man. His name's Elkanai. He has two wives, and one of them is Hannah. And Hannah is barren. She's not been able to have a child. If you remember, they would go every year to the tabernacle, and they would do their sacrifice for their sins. And there's a priest there named Eli. Anyhow, the, this year, Hannah goes, and they finish eating breakfast, and she goes to the tabernacle, and she's praying so hard, and she's asking God, if you'll just give me a male child, I'll give him back to you for the rest of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And she's moving her mouth, but she's not saying any words. And Eli sees it, and he thinks she's drunk. So hopefully that brings back some memory. And that's really background. What I want you to look at is the story that Eli says, Go in peace, and may God find favor with you. And we see in verse 19, Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in that process of that time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. And what I want you to look at is 1 Samuel 1.19, Elkanah knew Hannah. It's the same Hebrew word we just looked at in Ephesians, where Paul's saying he's wanting them to know God. They want to, he wants them to have a deeper relationship. So what you see here is Paul is asking that they don't have just book knowledge but a deeper close intimate relation with Jesus Christ see it's not head knowledge but an active participation knowing by doing see there's a lot of people who say they know about Hawaii but they've never been they've seen pictures and they can describe you know the the volcanoes they can talk about the palm trees and and they can even talk about you know pineapple orchards but they're really just describing tra travel brochures. They can't tell you how that pineapple tastes different than what it does here, and it does because I've been. They can't tell you about the luau experience. Even though they can tell you about luau's, they can't tell you about that. See, they can't explain walking on the beach with their loved one at sunset. See, they know about God, but they don't have that intimate knowledge that Paul is praying for. See, Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Now let's look at verse 18 and a second thing that Paul can pray for people. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now you see, Paul's wanting our hearts to be enlightened, that we see with our heart, that we'll know that which he has called us. So he's praying that we see with our heart and not just with our eyes, that it flows down from our to our heart and we act upon the right motives for God. He wants us to see things through our heart, not just logically. We need to learn to see with our heart, and it's amazing how open we are to the workings of Christ when we do that. See, it doesn't always make sense what we need to do, but when we're walking with Jesus, when we're letting the Holy Spirit lead us, it does make sense. 
And it only makes sense when we see it as Jesus sees it, when we feel it as Jesus feels it, as we live it as Jesus lived it. See, we need to be able to see with the eyes of our heart. We need to see others with the eyes of our heart. We need to see them as Jesus sees them and not as we judge them. So that is the second way that we see with the eyes of our heart. Now the third thing he prays for is that we'll be filled with hope. Now if you look in verse 18, he says that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance is his holy people or the saints. Paul wants us to know the hope that is made available to us. All the riches that we have that we've talked about for three weeks. He wants us to understand that hope. He wants us to understand that the hope that God has put in us. The fact is today so many people have hung their hopes on things that disappoint. They put their hope in a career. They put their hope in a relationship. They put their hope in health. They put their hope in their kids to live out a dream that they never got to do. And all these material things fail them. See, Jesus is telling us, I don't want you to hope in man's thing. I want you to find your hope in me. Ephesians 1.3, we've talked about it every week. All the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, is that's what we need to walk in. And it will help us walk in our hope and in our faith. We won't see things fail when we walk and we have the eyes of Christ. So that is the third thing. Paul has shown us how we can intercede by knowing God more, by opening our eyes to the heart, and to center our lives around the proper hope. So the fourth thing Paul prays for us is that we know God's power or his strength. Now did you catch the word he used earlier? Incomparable great power. Now, when we were back weeks ago studying Revelation, I asked you to do a contrast exercise with me, and I'd like to review it again this morning. So I want you to tell me what's equal and contrast to what I, the word I tell you. So the first word is light. Yep, the contrast would be dark. The second word is up. Yep, the contrast would be down. The third word is in. Yep, the contrast would be out. And the fourth word is bitter. Yep, the contrast would be sweet. Last word is God. No, the contrast is not Satan. See, that's what Satan wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that he is God, but God has no equal. Satan was a fallen angel. He was created by God. He's not equal, and he doesn't have that great power. So now let's look back at it. His incomparable great power for us who believe. Even though there's no equal to God, Paul is really showing us that we have his great power. See, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's part of that trinity. See, it's for us that we believe. Now, that power is not like a magic wand that we can wheel around and do whatever we want, whenever, or what we want. The power is always there to allow us to go forward in faith and love people. Paul is praying that the Ephesian church will work in the Holy Spirit's power and not in their own strength. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, you can't do anything in your own strength. You'll fail. You'll fail every time. You'll get weary. You will fail. But when you walk in the Holy Spirit's strength, you can do all things. And we're about to run out of time, so I'm going to jump to the last point that I want to share with you. 
and that is the area of confession. See, we see Paul finishes this prayer with the time of confession when we look at verses 20 through 23. Now, if you grew up in a Catholic church or Catholic background, you probably talk about Saturday nights and how you used to have to go do confess to your sins to a priest. And the priest would tell you how many Hail Marys to do and what to say and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know for sure I wasn't Catholic. I grew up, you know, in a Protestant church. But my Catholic friends tell me that's how it happened. Now, if you grew up in the Christian faith like me, we were taught that we confess our sins when we pray and that it, that's important. But there's another thing, another aspect of confession that we don't talk about that much. And it's proclaiming God's authority and his attribute. Roman 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But see, most folks don't want to do that. They don't want to confess his authority. See, we can only become a Christian when we confess his authority. When we confess God is Lord, just like it says in verse 20, Paul said he raised Christ from the dead and he's seating at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. You, know, you have to believe that and confess it to be saved. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the ones to come. See, in verse 22 and 23, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his holy body. See, in verse 22, Paul says that Christ rules over everything. God put it underneath his feet. We have to confess him as Lord. We have to say that he is Lord. Well, you may say, Tim, I know that, that all things are underneath his feet, but you don't see it acted out in how we live. We don't give it all back to Jesus. We don't put it underneath his feet in how we walk and live day to day. See, verse 22 says we should do that. We should place it under his feet and his authority. We used to sing a song when I grew up uh, in church, and it was called Jesus Be the Lord of All. And really, I, I want to read you the second verse that says, I guess I only fool myself, for I said I'd yield it all. But in a secret corner of my heart was a kingdom that did not fall. I surrender now, make my heart your throne, rule its kingdom great and small. For if you're not Lord of everything, then you're not Lord of all. And really, in closing this morning, that's what I would say to you. Is Jesus Lord of all? Have you given everything, even that corner kingdom? Are you praying and interceding for people? Not just your needs, but are you praying for others? Those are the questions I'd ask you. Now let's close in a word of prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and I thank you for Paul's faithfulness, not for just writing Ephesians, but for how he prayed for his people, the love, how he poured his heart out to them, how he loved them. Lord, let us see how we can give thanks for other Christians just like Paul did in this prayer that we studied today. Lord, that our church body is like believers that are walking with us and that we can pray for them. And I pray for everybody listening right now and I pray an anointing on everyone who heard this lesson today. 
that they learn to pray as Paul prayed. Lord, just do your work in them. Lord, that you'll reveal the riches and the treasures you have for us and you'll, you'll reveal that to them, that they'll see with the eyes of their heart. Lord, we thank you, Father. We'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And it's in your name we pray this morning. Amen.